Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 22. As you know, we've been going through Abraham's life, and we've talked about different, different walks of his faith. And for me, anyways, this chapter was probably one of, the, one of the bigger challenges for me that God placed before me as a new believer. It, it was, God had me read this at the beginning of my Christian walk, and it was one of those things that, man, really jumped out at me, and it caused me to do some things, and it challenged me to do things that I knew, you know, before I was saved, I would never be able to do. In fact, the things that God challenged me on were the very things that kept me from God. So, most of you know the story, I'm not going to get into it, but suffice it to say that this chapter was a, a marked turning point in my walk with God. Genesis 22, 1, the first verse says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Now, for those of you who are here, I usually use the NIV or the New Living Translation. But I, I researched this and I found out the New American Standard has a more accurate version. Now, the New American Standard is probably the most accurate word-for-word translation. NIV is a thought-for-thought. Thought. New Living Translation is just uh, an easy read. It's one step up from paraphrase. So the New American Standard says this. Now, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. And I thought it was curious. After what things? I mean, he had been through a lot up to this point, right? He failed a lot. He succeeded a lot. All the things we've been studying for the past few weeks. He had the family test, right? God calls him away from his family. For him, was God more important than staying home with your family? Or was God answering God's call more important to you than that? He realized it was. It was more important than family. And God told him to start walking. He started walking. And next, he had the famine test. And we all know he failed that one. He didn't trust God. He ran away from the test. Then there was the fight test. He had the fight test. All those kings came at him. He won that fight test. He passed that test. Then came the fortune test. He had all the spoils of war, but he said, no, I'm not going to take any of it. I don't want to give anybody any credit. I want God to get the credit. And he passed that test as well. Then he had the fatherhood test. And he kind of failed that one at first. Instead of listening to God and waiting for God to work, he listened to Sarah. Now do we see a pattern Every time God was calling him to move in faith and he succeeded, things were good. Every time he failed was when things weren't so good. Things weren't going well for him and it caused his faith to stumble. His failure happened when he was in a hard situation and he didn't have the patience to trust God through it, be it the famine or the fatherhood. When things were tough, his faith didn't stand up. When things were good, he did all right. But when things were tough, he failed. And the verse says, after these things. Now, how many have been through a test of God? How many enjoy those? How many feel like they come one after another, after another, and they never stop, right? They just keep coming. Abraham's 100 years old, and I'm thinking to him, he's probably thinking to himself, okay, God, I'm 100. How about giving me a breather here? How about let's let me relax for a little bit rather than throwing a test at me? And I'm sure that Abraham as well as each of us would like the results of the test to be without the test itself. How many want to get an A without having to take the test? Come on. I think with the, the current school situation, that's kind of what happened at the end of last year. All the kids, they, they all passed. We don't care. We all passed. And that's another 
event. But we all want the miracle baby. We want to win spiritual battles. We want to grow in our faith. But none of us wants the testing that requires us to get that. We all want the, the reward of the test without the test. I wrote down here, no one ever wins a sporting event without training for it. And that's what testing is. So verse 1 continues, he says, he said to him, God said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. That's the verse. Imagine God challenging you to do this. The Bible, at least this verse, should make us stand a little bit taller. Can you imagine being tested in this manner? Now we're going to look at that verse kind of word for word or phrase for phrase. The first thing we notice is Abraham was listening. He says, here I am. How often do we listen to God? My kids, when your kids are doing something, you talk to them and they hear you. But they're not listening to you. Right? You tell them to clean the room. Yeah, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. They're not listening to you. They hear what you're saying, but they're not listening to you. And you're nodding your head. And every, every parent is nodding their head. When God speaks to you through his word or through prayer or through a service or a sermon, whatever it is, are you listening or are you just hearing? How often do we read a passage of scripture, read a Christian book, listen to a sermon or have a time of prayer that you really feel God's dropping something in your heart? Are you listening to that or are you just kind of pass over it? Oh, that just must be me. That can't be God. Or do you kind of stop for a moment and let God speak? Or let that stink, sink in your spirit? I just finished reading a book by, uh, I can't remember his name, Mark Batterson. It's called Whisper, How to Hear the Voice of God. It's a good book. But every of, each of the chapters requires us as believers to be attentive to all the things that are happening around us that God may be using to get our attention. God may use circumstances. God may use people. God may use his word. God may use something that happens in a service. And one of the chapters in the book deals with circumstances. There may be instances where God doesn't speak audibly or through his word, but circumstances come up in front of you that give you an opportunity to act. And I, and I was thinking about that. I was actually praying about this the other day, and God put the Good Samaritan in my mind. Went on this story. Nowhere in the story does, it, does the Good Samaritan say he heard from God. Nowhere does it say that God told the Good Samaritan to do this. He saw the situation, saw there was a need, and he reacted to it. He didn't wait to hear from God. He didn't wait to analyze the situation. He saw the situation, he saw the need, and he filled the need. The other two that walked by could rightly claim, hey, God didn't tell me to do this, right? God, you know, I didn't hear from God about this, so I'm not going to do anything. Abraham was listening to what God was saying to him, and we need to be always listening and may not always be something that we hear or read and maybe a circumstance that God puts in front of you, a need that God puts in front of you. Are you listening to respond to the need? Verse 2 goes on, and he says, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. 
God was asking Abraham to give up the one thing that meant more than anything to him. Which asked the obvious question, what is your most important thing in your life? And if God asked you to give that up, would you do it? Now, before we go any further, God does not challenge us to sacrifice children. How many understand that? All throughout the Bible, God condemns and judges and pours punishment on people who do that. They call them, you know, the detestable practices of the Moabites. All those things that had child sacrifice, God condemns. But are there things in your life that are more important? You may say no, but they're more important than God. Do we put our children and family in front of our love for God? Now, if you ask me, I'd say, oh, no, no, no. But do we? If God asks you to do something that your kids didn't like, would you do it? Are you willing to give up time with your family to do what God has called us to do? And I'm not talking about the occasional vacation or trip, but we all know sporting events happen every Sunday now and every Wednesday. Do you engage in the sporting events or do you not engage in the sporting events because you know it's time to be in God's house? If God challenged you to do that, would you do it? What other hobbies or interests that you have are more valuable to God? What if God told you to get rid of them? That hobby you have that you love, stop it. Would you do it? What about that job you have? It makes a lot of money. I want you to quit that job. It's not right for you. Would you do it? Now notice that Isaac himself obviously wasn't a sin. So Abraham wasn't being challenged to get rid of something that was sinful. He was getting rid of something that was good in his life. All these things I mentioned before are good things. Family, job, hobby, they're all great things. But maybe God is challenging you on a specific area that is good. That may be taking up more of your time. There was a, back when I got saved in Pittsburgh, there was a, a show on TV called Light Music. And it was basically the beginnings of Christian rock. And there was a guy who hosted the show, his name um, Tom Green, not that Tom Green, that, you know, the author, but this guy was a musician. It was a rock band for years, and when he got saved, he, his testimony is that God told him to put his guitar down and stop playing, period. And he did that for 10 years. And after 10 years, God said, okay, you can pick it back up again. He picked it up back up, and he started playing again. But the guitar wasn't sinful. His playing wasn't sinful, but God challenged him because he knew how important it was to him. Can you put that down for me and not do it? We may have things in our life that are truly great, they're beneficial, they're blessings, but if God challenged you to stop them, would you do it? Verse 3 says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. Notice Abraham didn't have a conversation with God. He didn't argue with him. He didn't wait around to see if the feeling that he had was maybe just a feeling. He got up right away. If you feel God challenging you to change something in your life, don't delay in doing it because you'll eventually talk yourself out of it. 
The more you wait around to see if the, quote, feeling leaves, it probably will. I read this verse at night, and I knew I had to act on it right away. Because tomorrow, I knew I would talk myself out of it. And when God was speaking that to me, there were situations that were happening at that moment that if I didn't do it, would change the next day. We would we'll rationalize and we'll think about other things and that wasn't really God, it was just my emotion or maybe it's that pizza I had an hour ago. No, if God's challenging you to do it, don't think about it. If you really feel it and you know it's God, don't wait around to try to rationalize it out of your system. And I'm not saying that all these things aren't important, but if you feel an, an urge to change something or you, or you know in your spirit that you need to do something, don't wait around to think about it because things will come up that will keep you from doing it. Another thing is, do you think Abraham wanted to do this? Do you think he walked up the next day going, man, I, I can't wait. I'm excited to go up there. I'm guessing no. And I can pretty much assure you that thing, the things God challenges you on will be things that you don't want to do. It's easy to do something you want to do. But what's God telling you to do that you don't want to do? And I think a lot of times we mistake our not wanting to do something with not being called to do something. How many know the difference? If I you know, get up and say, you know, I don't want to do this, it's easy for me to say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do it, therefore I don't feel God calling me to do it. Numerous times in the Bible, there are places where God calls people to do something that they don't want to do. Hey, you know, God, I don't want to sacrifice my son. So I don't think this is you calling me to do this. So I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to relax because I know it's not you. I'm not, you're not speaking to me here, Lord. I, I think it's just my own feelings. I don't want to do it, so therefore I'm not going to do it. Luke 9.23 says, Jesus speaking, Then he said to all of them, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, if anyone wants to follow me, he must feel like it. He must want to do it. Or he must wait for an invitation to do it. The invitation's already there. It's not really an invitation, it's a directive. You want to come after me, you, want to deny your, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me, which usually means doing things you don't want to do. But this request was from God and was so against what Abraham knew about God. Everything in his being was questioning what was going to happen. Lord, how can you be asking me to sacrifice my child? I know what you say about that. God, this can't be you. I really don't want to do this. It sounds so outlandish. I don't want to do it. It's just too hard to comprehend. I don't want to do it. Warren Wiersbe says this, Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems to be unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable, and expect what seems impossible. So God tells him, go sacrifice your son. And he gets up instantly without thinking about it and goes. Verse 3, He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham had prep work to do before doing what God asked him to do. He started doing it, started cutting the wood, getting everything ready, having no idea what the outcome was going to be. 
And more often than not, how many realize when you do work for God, there's prep work to do. There's things you have to do in order to be prepared to actually do the ministry. And it may not happen in a day. God could have told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac right there where you lived. Don't take a three-day journey. Just do it right now. But he didn't. A lot of times it takes God using us, stepping out, starting the process, going through it, and eventually getting to where God wants you to be so you're prepared to do it. Abraham had to do all these things before he had any idea of how it was going to wind up. It may require time and diligence to complete what God asks you to do even before you do it. It took Abraham three days of travel with all this wood, and I'm guessing he probably had fire with him as well and whatever he needed in way of food and stuff. He had all these things, and it took three days to get there. Verse 5 says, He said to his servant, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. A lot of times God calls you to do something by yourself. Away from help, away from people around you. He may challenge you to go in an area that you've never been in before and to go it alone. When I, when I was at my old church, I, was, I always dealt with adults. I did the Christian ed department. I did all the adult stuff. When our children's pastor left, my senior pastor put me in that spot. And here's another thing about ministry. Ministry. As, a, as an assistant, you don't have a vision. <laughs> Your job is to do what the senior pastor tells you to do. And so I'm thinking, kids? Really? Kids? See, I need someone in kids. You need to go there. Okay. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to go. But I was able to get a great team who got all the accolades and did all the work. And it went well for three years. I was that. But I went into it never having worked with kids before, praying, Lord, you need to do this because I can't. And he did. We had, I had a great time when I was there. When, we left, when I left there to go to Florida, I was still in the kids' ministry, and it was in a lot of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth for the kids when we left. But it was, it was a great time. But if I'd have wanted to do it, or if I waited God for God to tell me to do it, it ain't happening. God put me there in spite of what I wanted to do. Abraham had to leave his servants and everyone behind and just him and the boy went. Abraham was trusting in the promise that God would make him come back with him. Remember, God says, you're going to be a father of multitude. You're going to have many kids. Your kid's going to have many kids. And he's, he's got to be thinking to himself, how is that going to happen if Isaac's going to die? One of two things, he's, he's got to be thinking, one of two things is going to happen. God's going to provide something, or God's going to resurrect him. One or the other. So if I kill him, God's got to bring him back to life. If I don't, then God's going to provide something when he's up there. Hebrews eleven and seventeen says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. 
How often when God challenges us to do something that we don't want to do, we don't do it because we think that God can't make up for what I'm giving up to do this. And if I give, if I give up this hobby to do what God asked me to do, what am I going to do with all my free time? If I, if I, I wrote out, if I dump this person in a relationship, who will God send in their place? If I leave my job, how am I going to make a living? If I step up and do ministry, I'm not going to have time for other things. If I tithe, I won't have enough money. If I sacrifice Isaac, how is God going to fulfill his promise? And the list could go on. If God challenges you to do something or you see an opportunity to do something, don't worry about what's going to happen after that. God will take care of that. Verse 6 in Abraham, or Genesis 22 says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, we, we imagine Isaac to be a teenager about this point. He was carrying the wood. He, he was cognizant of what's going on. He probably could have overpowered his 110-year-old dad not go up but this obviously is a is a type of Christ Isaac is and there's a lot of imagery around Jesus carrying the burden Isaac carrying the wood and we're not going to focus on that but we're going to focus on what continues to happen Isaac goes up not knowing what's going to happen and a lot of times when God challenges us to do something we don't have any idea what's going to happen and it, we don't see how God is going to work. Going into kids' ministry, I had no idea how God was going to do it. Because I couldn't do it. But when you get there and you see what God does, you see how God provides. I, I very rarely have God showing me what's going to happen before it actually happens. I have to be there to have it happen. But until that time, you have to be okay with trusting God for what's going to happen, whether you see it or not at that particular moment. Verse 8 says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Abraham, or Abraham didn't know what was going to happen. Isaac didn't know what was going to happen. But he did it anyways because he trusted what God was going to do. How he was going to do it, he didn't know. Whatever God calls us to do, we don't have a lot of times any idea of how it's going to work out. But if we don't do it, we miss an opportunity for God to be used or for us to be used by God. And we miss the opportunity of seeing what God can do through us that we thought we could never do. And this is what faith is about, right? Trusting when you don't see. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. When God asks you to do something that you don't feel like doing, chances are pretty good. That's why he's asking you to do it. When you ask your kids to do things they don't want to do, you, you want them to do it. You want to make them do it because they don't want to do it. And the more they object, the more you dig in and make them do it. Why? Because you're the boss. And you want them to listen to you and to obey you. If you don't, and they realize that if they whine and cry about it, they can get out of doing it, guess what they learn? I'm going to keep whining and crying because it works. God challenges us to do things that we don't want to do in order to make us do it. 
God's basically saying, are you willing to do something that you don't want to do simply because I'm asking you whether or not you know the outcome of that? Verse 9 says, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Abraham, his faith wasn't tested until he actually had to raise the knife. God could have stopped him halfway up the hill. And do you think that God knew what Abraham was going to do? Pretty sure that God knew what the outcome was going to be. Right? He knew that beforehand. He's on this and he knows everything. Why did he make Abraham raise his knife? Why didn't he just say, you know what? I know Abraham's going to do this, so I'll, I'll cut him some slack. I'll let him get halfway up and send him home. Because we have to take the first step before God works. Abraham was told to leave his home and start walking with no destination. He started walking. My favorite is Joshua had the priest go into the water before the water parted. Joshua 3.15 says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage. And that was, it wasn't just high, it was high and going fast. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, they had to touch the water. They had to get in the water. The water from the upstream stopped flowing. We can't expect miracles if we're not willing to start and continue and carry on the process. And another thing, God knows what's going to happen, but we don't know what's going to happen. How do you think Abraham felt after he raised his hand and God said, stop? Probably pretty good. My faith. My faith is true. He knew how far he could go. Up until that point, he didn't. I don't know if I could do that. God says, raise your hand. No. Start coming down. No, I, I can't. What if you don't stop me, Lord? What happens if you don't stop me? God allowed Abraham to see how far he can go. Verse 12 or 11 says, But the angel called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, he said, Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. When our kids used to learn how to ride bikes, they were reluctant to go on their own. So I would hold their seat. And I would run behind them, which is difficult to do. But I'd run behind them. And eventually I would run but not hold the seat. They were thinking I was holding it, but I wasn't. And eventually I would just kind of stop and they would keep going. I knew they could do it. They didn't know they could do it. And when they realized, hey, I can do it without dad holding me, it gave them confidence. God knew what Abraham was going to do, but Abraham didn't know what his reaction was going to be. God allowed him to see that his faith was as strong as he thought it was. When we let go of things that God tells us to, only then can we believe God that will bless and provide more than we have given up. If we keep waiting for God to do it and we don't give it up and let go of the seat, we're never going to know, we're never going to experience the miracle that God wants to work in us and the blessing that God does. Going into the kids' ministry was the last thing I wanted to do. Nuh-uh. I was never in church for one thing. We're in a separate building. I was never in church. But you know what? God really blessed me the time I was in there. 
made a, great, a lot of great kid friends who are now adults with their own kids. But I'd have never done that if God didn't kick me in there. Verse 13 goes on, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. When God challenges you to give up something, easiest example is, is tithing. We've talked about that numerous times. God is more than able to make up what we give to him. There's a phrase, no one can outgive God, that's true. But not only for tithing, it's for everything else that God asks us to do. The reason we gather together as a church is because we are a family. We do things as a group. Our job is, as a church is to disciple people, get them closer to God, and allow them to go on their own. That's what we as a church, a church body does. If we don't ever step out in faith to an area that we never thought we could accomplish, it's never going to get done. And a lot of it is because we either fear or we worry about it. Am I going to be good enough? Or a lack of desire. You know what? I really don't want to do it. All those things stop you from passing the test that God puts in front of you. Because God wants you to pass the test to see what you can do. He knows what you can do. He wants you to see what you can do. And then when you do that, not only are you blessed, but the people that you are in a sphere of influence on, they are blessed as well. And I guess the last question this morning is, what is God challenging you to do today? What need is in front of you? What still small voice is speaking to you that God is saying, okay, I need you to do this. You have no idea how to do it. You don't want to do it. That's okay. I need you to do it. Just because I want to see if you pass the test. Would you stand as we close this morning? you bow your heads for a moment. In church work, there's always a multitude of things that every church would love to do, but just don't have either the facilities or the finances or the people to do. But I said this on many occasions that I believe that everything that calls any church to do he calls it because he knows that we have the equipment to do it, whether that's physical properties, finances, or people. We have everything we need to do it. But then there always comes in the, I don't feel called, I don't want to do it. And I think that we as a church could be so much more than we are. Because I believe everybody here has something as a ministry to reach people. Whether it's here, in your workplace, wherever it might be. We've said before, we, we come expecting, we believe that God's going to move. And I think that God is. And I really believe that. And I believe that this time of being away, even though it may tend to make us more lax... I believe it also ignites a fire in us because we know what we are missing when we're not here. And we know what blessings we receive when we are. 
And imagine all the folks out there that, who don't normally attend church. They also would love to have the blessings and the fellowship that we have here. Our job is to bring them in. Our job is to share the gospel. That's the entire focus of every Christian and every church. You are therefore in the, all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's our job. And I believe that everyone here is equipped to do that. And I believe that everyone here is called to do that in some area or another. None of that was in my notes. Maybe someone needed to hear that. I don't know. But let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that each one of us are here because of you. Because of you working through someone else's life to share with us, to challenge us, and to bring us into a saving knowledge of Christ. Someone who before us was obedient to your call to share the gospel with us. And because of that, we now are the recipients of that blessing. And I pray that you would fill each one of us with your anointing and your spirit and your power and your call. That God, you use us to reach people. There is no retirement plan in God's kingdom. There is no benchwarming time in God's kingdom. There is only a time, as we sang, God is always working, but God also works through us. So Father, I pray that you would help us really take that mantle upon us, that we listen to your call, that we step out like Abraham stepped out, to do things he didn't want to do, not knowing what was going to happen when he did it, but trusting you that A, you called him, and B, you would be there when he got there and you would provide. So Father, I pray your blessings upon each person here. Allow us to really absorb that truth and allow it to really affect how we live our lives every day. Now Lord, I commit each person to you. Bless them this day. Keep them safe. Keep us all safe, Lord, we ask from what's going on. And we do all this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a nice hot day today. A little toasty. Going to be 98. <laughs>